0: Hi, I'm Eric, also known as Trekkie V47, from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape podcast. You're listening to another great four eyed radio product. For more shows, check out four eyedradio.com. It's morphin' time! Wallop and web snappers! And my spider sense is tingling. some
1: trouble. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? <laughs> Yes. To listen to this show, find us on com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit RevengeLover.com. Here we are, y'all. We're still with the 2017 Spider Man Show, also known as Marvel Spider Man, also known as Spider Man in parentheses 2017, also known as Marvel Spider Man in parentheses 2017. <laughs>
0: Beautifully done.
1: This this is we're talking about the uh, the actual like kind of the actual first episode like the actual first episode that aired on TV the one that's very much plays out like a pilot I think this was the first production code wise this was the first episode they actually produced too I think they did the origins episode like after the two part pilot so and and I like I actually like this one a lot when I first watched these started watching this show just kind of I watched like the first five or so when we decided that we were going to do it. Yep. The Origins episode, I was sort of like, this is okay, but I'm not sure I'm feeling this. In this episode, I was sort of like, okay, I think I get it, and I'm very on board for it. I Actually, I'm really into the, the two-part pilot here. We're just going to be talking about part one of it, so going to have some fun stuff to talk about because we got some cool characters and cool stuff that gets introduced in this one. If you want to watch along with us, this show is very easily accessible on Disney+. One bit of like background information that I, that I wanted to put into this episode, only because this is a thing that I didn't really know about because I haven't kept up with a lot of the recent comics, and I thought it was sort of interesting how it's adapted into this show. The title of this first episode is Horizon High. The setting of a lot of this show is at Horizon High, so... There's a a quote from the uh, story editor, Kevin Shinnick, about Horizon High, because it's the kind of the major part of this show, right? He says, in the comics, it was Horizon Labs. Dan Slott came up with a storyline in the comics, which was, what if things did go Peter Parker's way? He was accepted into Horizon Labs, and he was able to create things there. We had the idea of keeping everything relevant to kids. What if we made that a magnate school of science geniuses? So it's Horizon High. And then I came up with this idea of Hogwarts for science, okay? We've got all these kids and teachers who have all the same access to science experiments and great equipment and great schools, but you begin to remember why Peter is a hero. He takes these things and puts them to good use. Others have the same access, but they use it for their own means.
0: I really like this. I've only read the first, like, maybe two or three issues of the comic where Horizon Labs is introduced, Mm -hmm. and I like what they opted to do with it based on the fact that Peter's 16. Like, I think it's a very clever adaptation of the, the like concept of what they were going for with horizon labs. And I don't know where it ultimately goes because I only know the very, very little bitty first bit of it. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but I imagine it wouldn't follow it too closely anyway, given that Peter is very different in those two, those two properties.
1: Yeah, I'm really interested to see how the show deals with it. Given at least, I, I don't, I don't know if it maintains it this way or not, but at least like in the early episodes that we've seen so far, it's you know, Horizon High is a very major both, both as a plot point, as a setting, and everything for for the show. I do think it's interesting. I'm really, I'm, I'm extra fascinated to see where it goes, just because like I, I have a lot of feelings about like special schools for like gifted kids and how it's how they're presented. I'll have more to say in the second episode because I'm actually kind of pleased with how they present some stuff. But Mm -hmm. I think the general idea of like schools where kids are told that they're like the best of the best and able to like leave public school and given extra opportunities to, to get from there. There's a conversation to be had about like how our generation in terms of like being quote unquote gifted and like the certain opportunities you were given from that or weren't given from that, like how that sort of affected lots of people um, negatively. And I don't think there's as much to talk about for that in this episode, but I'll have some thoughts for next week. I just want to put that out there that that will be a thing that I talk about because I have a lot hmm. of thoughts about that stuff.
0: All right. <laughs> I am excited to get to it.
1: Yeah. We don't really – it didn't feel appropriate to talk about it yet because this this episode doesn't go that deep into it. But Horizon High is a thing that I am going to be thinking about, I think, a lot through this show and i'll be very interested to see how it's presented but anyway that's a massive preview (laughs) for next week i guess and maybe maybe the whole season of the show
0: we'll see yeah Um, i I have so much to think about in in the week to come
1: (laughs) (laughs) so we are talking about marvel spider-man season one episode one horizon high part one Synopsis per IMDb is, Peter starts Horizon High, a school for geniuses, the day that his best friend Harry Osborn is suspended. Peter's debut as Spider-Man pits him against the Vulture. The original air date for this episode was August 19th, 2017. It was written by Kevin Shinnick, who we've talked about many times. It was directed by Philip Pignotti, or Pignotti. I I did not actually look up how to pronounce these names, unlike you, Doug, so I did bad my job.
0: (laughs) It's just my personal resolution. You you do whatever you want.
1: (laughs) uh, So I get to look like the bad one. Awesome. Uh, He was a director. (laughs) He was a a director on Ultimate Spider-Man, Avengers Assemble, and that uh, Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure series, like the Tangled TV series. Mm -hmm. He also worked in the art and or the animation department, depending on the project, for the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, the Simpsons movie, Phineas and Ferb, Hulk and the Agents of Smash, and Kung Fu Panda Secrets of the Furious Five, which was the thing that Spectacular <laughs> Spider Man lost an Emmy to in character design.
0: <laughs> the show that Derek hates out of principle. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there are a couple characters that were introduced last episode that we're going to talk about more this episode because they are featured a little bit more and because there are just so many voice actors that we could talk about from the jump that we're going to spread them out. So first one is Uncle Ben and I, I, okay, voiced by Patton Oswalt and here's why I made that noise. I'm going to mildly spoil something from like a couple weeks from now because you and I both watched I maybe mean, a handful of episodes. Mhm. But anybody who's watching a Spider-Man show will expect this character to eventually appear at some point. Otto Octavius is in this show and I am furious that they did not use Patton Oswalt, who they already had for Otto Octavius. I'm like so angry.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> so
0: mad. There's a very particular reason so for perfect. that. <laughs>
1: There's a very particular reason, I think, for why they didn't do Patton Oswalt, given the version of Otto that they have, which is going to be a conversation, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> I don't even care. I don't even care. Patton Oswalt is right there. Change your version. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Just, like, Patton Oswalt is Doc Ock is, like, the best thing ever. Okay, whatever. I'm over it. It <laughs> happened. <sighs> I do love Patton Oswalt, though. That's why I feel so passionately about this. Sure. So. And I think he would be a better auto Octavius than he is Uncle Ben, which isn't to say that he's a bad Uncle Ben. He does a great eh. job, but you know
1: He's a he's a he's a type of Uncle Like I get the, the vibe I get the vibe they're going for, but I'm not into yeah. it. But it's fine. He do, he does fine.
0: He 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 himself, like as an actor, is great. Um, so Patton Oswalt is a stand-up comedian known for roles on screen and behind the mic. He's done a lot, and I think he's done a lot more than I think people even realize. He was Spence in King of Queens for like nearly 200 episodes. That's the first thing I ever saw him in. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the voice of Remy in Pixar's Ratatouille. I didn't he, know that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I mean Pixar movies don't typically advertise themselves based on the the voice cast. Like yeah. Disney movies don't typically either. So it's yeah. not really a surprise there, but yeah, he's the the voice of Remy and he's also going to be the voice of Modok, which I think is brilliant in the upcoming Hulu stop motion series Modok. Cool. He's also the narrator for the Goldbergs and the principal in AP Bio. He was in about a dozen episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as Billy Koenig, and a half a dozen episodes of Big Hero 6, the series. He was Space Cabbie in Justice League Action, and he was Max on Mystery Science Theater 3000, The Return. Mm-hmm. And just a fun fact, one of his earliest voice roles was in an episode of Batman Beyond as Eldon Michaels, the mm. original writer for the VR game Centuries of the Last Cosmos, which is featured a few times throughout Beyond and the Zeta Project. Interesting. Our Aunt May in this series is voiced by Nancy Linari, who also voices May Parker in the PS4 Spider-Man game, uh, which is very cool, but again, not surprising. We talked about this last week where there's going to be a lot of crossover in that regard. She was the voice of Morticia Adams in the 90s Adams Family cartoon. She's the voice of Lars mother in Steven Universe and all sorts of sundry roles in the 90s Sonic the Hedgehog, The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest and Duckman, as well as appearing in guest spots. On screen for shows like the recent Mad About You and Gilmore Girls reunion series, Bosch, This Is Us, Modern Family, and many, many others.
1: I didn't realize the Mad About You reboot ha- happened already. But, yeah,
0: it uh, wow. happened last year.
1: Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Guess that came and went. <laughs> All right.
0: <laughs> I am so excited. And I had no idea that this character was in this show, let alone a major character, because I didn't know Horizon High was a thing. (laughs) Um, Max Modell is in this show, which I love because, and I don't expect the show to delve into this, but Max Modell in the comics has a husband. This is a queer character that we have introduced into this universe. I didn't know that. Yeah. And I know that this show debuted in 2017, which doesn't necessarily preclude it from allowing his husband to be a part of the show, but I also don't expect it. And so I'm so fascinated to see if that is a a facet of Max Modell that they will ever introduce into the show. I'm hoping so bad that they do because Max Modell, as we will learn, is Peter's like number one hero. And I feel like that's a really, really cool opportunity and something they can do really subtly that will serve, you know, viewers, especially young ones, really well (laughs) to see that Peter's idol scientifically is a guy with a husband. You know what I mean? Like, I think it would be really cool.
1: I already loved him immediately for obvious reasons based strictly on his design and voice and just general, general vibe. But that makes me love him even more. That's yeah. fant- That's so cool. I love, yeah. uh, I love like big burly bear gay representation. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, to talk about the actual voice actor here, amazing voice actor. We've, we've praised him before. Max Modell is voiced by Fred Tatasciore. Um, we first talked about Fred Tattashore as the Hulk in our episode 20 when we talked about Marvel Disc Wars, and then we talked about him again also as the Hulk in our episode 36 when we talked about the Phineas and Ferb Marvel crossover movie. My intro response to you was an incredibly terrible impression of Max Modell screaming over and over in this episode. I didn't. I was wondering <laughs> what the reference yeah, was. I was I like, mean, I'll go
1: with it. I was like, is it the Vulture
0: screaming? I'll talk about how many times uh, Max Modell and up screaming in this episode <laughs> but uh i feel like they almost did it just because listening to fred Tatasciore scream is amazing so sure. um anyway Tatasciore is a super prolific voice actor he's voiced hulk in tons of things including video games he has nearly 800 voice credits across all sorts of properties and here are a few recent ones since we've talked about him before but it's been a while He is, or will be, maybe, um, voicing Peter Potamus in the upcoming Jellystone cartoon, which is set to feature a slew of Hanna-Barbera characters, which is exciting. Mm. He's the current voice of Yosemite Sam and a couple other characters in the current Looney Tunes cartoons Mm. uh, universe, I suppose. I I, I wonder if that means he'll be like Yosemite Sam in Space Jam or if they're going to cast all those characters separately. Not really sure. Yeah, it depends. And he's the voice of my favorite character on Star Trek Lower Decks, Lieutenant Shax.
1: Cool. I don't know anything about that show. <laughs> it's good. The, it's fun. That's the, that's the animated one, right? The comic yes. one. Yes.
0: Yes. Cool. Um, and, and Lieutenant Shax is fun. So we also get the vulture who is voiced by Alistair Duncan. He's a Scottish actor who voiced Alfred Pennyworth in The Batman, the animated series, like the one called The Batman, Mm -hmm. um, and a number of Batman Unlimited animated films. I just thought this was fun because I think you will get this reference. He portrayed Pierre Curie in the episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, where Hilda and Zelda have to, like, convince Marie and Pierre Curie to stay together.
1: Oh, that's fun. (laughs) Super
0: fun. (laughs) And he, uh, he provides the voices for various characters throughout a number of popular video game franchises, such as the Mass Effect trilogy, Middle Earth, Tomb Raider, Infinity Blades, and many others. Nice. We also get a few characters that we see for the first time here in this episode, but we'll talk about them later. It's just that this episode clearly makes a point to show them to us. So we see Randy Robertson, and he has a speaking role here. We'll talk about him eventually. And then we're introduced to the characters of Miles Morales and Anya Corazon, who are very significant in the Mm -hmm. Spider-verse. And we'll talk about those two next week because we only have so much time. Well, and I don't think Miles
1: even says a word in this episode, does he? <laughs> so. I don't
0: think he does. If he does, it, it, it you know, wasn't even, wasn't even anything. Yeah. Anya definitely does. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, she does.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I was actually surprised. Uh, I didn't know that they were introduced this early. I knew that they eventually were in the show. I had no idea that they were there yeah. from the get-go.
1: I like that. It's a nice compromise where if, you know, if other spider folk are not able to get their own show, at least they're part of the core supporting cast from the get-go. Yep. Um, I, I appreciate that. Cause yeah. I think that I, that bodes well for the future. Cause I know like miles is in like the ultimate Spider-Man. Anya might even be in ultimate Spider-Man, but like, they're always for like guest spots or like little mini arcs and stuff. And yeah. if like the sp- other spider people are, recurring not just recurring characters but like main supporting characters i'm totally here for that i am I think that'll be really fun
0: yeah i'm very excited to see what they do with them given you know the little chunk that you and i have watched just a little bit ahead so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very pumped i'm excited yeah me too so anything else we need to get into before we dive into this one no i'm happy to just dive right into this episode let's do it So
1: the timeline for this, if you watch the origin shorts right before, this is a little bit weird because the origin shorts do, like, skip ahead to Spider-Man suiting up in his official Spider-Man costume, whereas this two-part pilot kind of takes place, like... Before the last little sequence of the origin shorts, because he is still it's only been two weeks after he was bit by the spider. He's still in his old outfit and he doesn't you know, suit up his, in his Spider-Man outfit until the next episode. So yeah. just keep that in mind. A little weird if you're watching them in succession and didn't expect that. But you can get on board pretty quickly. It's not a big deal. So, like I said, two weeks after Peter is bit by the radioactive spider, he is spotting an attempted burglary of vibranium, actually. So one police officer expresses confusion over why the burglar isn't stealing money, and another gives him a reality check. He says, science is the new currency. (laughs) <laughs> just hammering in the theme of this show real it's quick. Not subtle it's not nope. subtle nope. <laughs> it's not trying to be
0: <laughs>
1: spider-man like we said still in his homemade costume at this point he prepares to intervene and is interrupted by a pigeon who gets stuck to his hand and then the pigeon's caretaker gets mad thinking that he's trying to steal her pigeons she whacks him with a broom a couple of times before he Flies right off. So he can't even get his, like, cool, badass introduction into his own show
0: without getting thwarted. Genuinely <laughs> caught me off guard. Genuinely, right? I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, what? I thought you were going to jump into action here, buddy. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> but they use this as an opportunity to sort of, like, fill in a little bit more because this is the pilot from what we saw in origin so like they they build upon that a little bit so this happens where he's like about to address this burglary he gets interrupted he's got this lady like trying to hit him with a broom and pigeons all over the place and he's like what this is this is so stupid this is so stupid what am i doing and he sort of reflects on like what would uncle ben tell me to do right now because this might be crazy what i'm doing but I'm not really sure, you know? So we get a flashback. This is where we get some Uncle Ben content. Peter asks Uncle Ben... And, and Peter's, like, much younger, it looks like, in this this flashback. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's worth noting. But a much younger Peter is asking Uncle Ben about whether he should tutor his bully, Flash Thompson. Uncle Ben replies, with something that I think we should note and carry forward and use as, like, a thing to examine because I feel like they they focus on it here at the beginning of this episode and at the end of this episode and I would just like to know how much it really vibes with the storytelling along the way even if it's just for the season I'm not sure but Uncle Ben replies Peter everyone has a gift sometimes when they can't figure out what that gift is they take it out on other people it just feels really significant so I'm excited to see all the ways that the show could play with that yeah. Ultimately, this doesn't resonate with Peter though. He's like, uh, okay, like, sure. <laughs> and so Uncle Ben sort of like simplifies it or like changes gears a little bit and shares the mathematical formula we all know and love. <laughs> w over GP equals GR. <laughs> but this is his weird dorky way of trying to say with great power comes great responsibility. Only thing in this episode that I just like this is kind of dumb. I get why they did it, but I don't like yeah. it. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I appreciate that they're like it isn't just
1: GP. It's like a G to the pth power and G to the rth power, yeah, like, <laughs> which doesn't
0: even make sense mathematically.
1: Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Great is
0: the qualifier here.
1: Yeah. So I actually – I have a quote about this. I, I didn't put it in the main notes because I wasn't sure if it was going to come up. But oh, I, I was
0: going to bring it up, and I'm going to bring it up over and over.
1: <laughs> yeah. So a, a quote that I had about it, um, it was also from Kevin Shinnett because most of them are, are from him. But he said, it's just about Uncle Ben in general. I'll just read the whole thing. He says, Uncle Ben, who obviously was a huge impact on Peter, to say that lightly, wasn't a science guy, but he knew that was Peter's passion. So in trying to tell Peter his morals, he kind of found a fun way to turn with great power comes great responsibility into a scientific formula so that he could understand it more. That was important to me. Uncle Ben understands his nephew's strengths and thinks, what's the best way he'll hear this? So he comes up with this formula. It's a goofy formula, too, since he doesn't know much about science, but he takes a stab at it. That means a lot to Peter. Not only is it a lesson, but it's obvious that Uncle Ben knows who he is and that science is a big part of his life. So, like... To be fair, it's meant to be, like, really goofy and stupid. No, I get it. not responding to the mathematical formula so much as, like, Uncle Ben's attempt to do it makes it very clear that Uncle Ben cares about him.
0: No, I know. All of that is very clear in the episode. Like, none of that is cryptic. Like, Ben literally says, like, hey, kid, science isn't my thing. Because Peter looks at him like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not (laughs) even, that's not a thing. And it's all wrapped Mm -hmm. up in this conversation that. That Uncle Ben is having with him, where he says actually, like quite literally, word for word, some of the things that Shinnick just said about like I'm not a science guy, and yeah. um, you 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 can tell in the moment that he's trying to appeal to Peter. I I get it. I just think the formula is dumb.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're probably gonna see it a lot because he literally has a picture of it on his phone. He takes
0: a picture of it and carries it with him everywhere. <laughs> So I get it, like, and I think the episode does a good job of of portraying exactly what Shinnick is talking about. Like he did a good job of portraying that in this scene, mm-hmm. um, which is good if that was his intention. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's sweet. And Peter's a big dork, so he's gonna respond to big dorky things.
0: <laughs> might, I guess, but it, but it he, is it is silly. Makes fun of his uncle for this. <laughs>
1: Well, either way, the, as nonsensical as the formula is, it does remind Peter um, of, of that great power, great responsibility mantra. So he decides to pursue the Vibranium burglars. He manages to land on their getaway vehicle and uh, uses spider sense to calculate how and where he can redirect, flip, and immobilize the vehicle at a nearby skate park. Which I, I like that because I think that's a kind of an elegant way to sort of weave in, like, the Peter being a scientist aspect. Because this is a, that's not a new thing, that Spidey can use a spider sense to, like, get the right angle on things. Like, that's been used before. But since we know that Peter is already, like, a science geek, in this case, it's sort of like he's able to weaponize his spider sense because of his scientific knowledge of how things work to, like, calculate this out. Like, it almost makes more sense for this version of Peter to be able to, like, do that explicitly, which is kind of cool to me.
0: And the way that they portray it is very cool because they do, they basically slow everything down from his perspective. So instead of just, I mean, they do the spider sense effect, but you kind of get to experience his spider sense from his perspective, which, I mean, it's not revolutionary. It's just sort of like he has heightened senses so he can process more information all at once. But I think what it does is it highlights exactly what you're talking about, which is like, he's not just reacting. He's like using it to his advantage scientifically. Very, very cool
1: yeah I agree I'm expecting to see a lot of stuff like that in the show where it's like it's not revolutionary but they're taking classic standard things and sort of like implementing them in really solid ways and then having just like slightly tweaked spins on them enough to like fit because of the where that shows perspective is coming from so like it's all really familiar but it's like oh that's a cool way to like look at it even Mm -hmm. though it's the same thing we've technically seen before you know
0: yeah so he briefly enjoys his success at you know, stopping this vehicle and sort of stopping this crime. But his victory is interrupted when the Vulture attacks, which I was not expecting. That was much sooner than I would have bet would have <laughs> <Yeah>, on. <laughs> yeah. um, the Vulture claims that the burglars were his henchmen, and he unleashes a sonic attack on Spidey, which I also was not expecting. So after a moment that uh, was conveniently as long as it takes to flash the title card, uh, Spidey <laughs> makes himself a set of web earmuffs. Using this as, like, an opportunity to strike back while the Vulture is still, like, doing his sonic attack, he lands a web on Vulture, pulls him in towards him, connects a kick, and this surprises the Vulture because he did not realize uh, that his sonic attack wouldn't work for very long. What do you think of Vulture's costume and design? I like it a lot.
1: Yeah, I think, I you think do too. A
0: lot of Vulture costumes are ugly and really unappealing, <laughs> and this one is not. So I'm here for it. I, I also wonder, I'm curious because we talked about the character Starling in the Miles Morales comics, and there are some design cues that are very similar. And I oh, don't know yeah. if that's because both of these characters are based on a vulture costume I'm not familiar with, but it is a vulture costume I really like. I like the way that they do the visor. I like that, you know, there's not that weird sort of like vulturey ruffle that I get. I understand why they do it. But this is much cooler, much more contemporary, and I dig it.
1: Yeah, I love the beak helmet visor thing. It's really cool. Yep. And I like that this vulture has the. It's not just flight, but he also has those sonic powers that are implemented mm-hmm. really well. I like. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, this vulture does not have much to him at all, character wise, in this episode. But in terms of how they use him as just a villain and how he looks and, 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 and like his power set and everything, I think he's well utilized for their first villain, which I think we almost even sort of said that a little bit for for the first episode of spectacular spider-man because vulture was also the first villain in that one. Like he's such an easy villain to sort of implement. If you don't want to have an intense villain story and just want to have a villain in an episode that's recognizable, like Mm -hmm. you there isn't, you don't need to have much to the Vulture. You can, you can make a complex Vulture like Homecoming did, but you don't have to. And still, he still works as Vulture. And I think they use him really well in this for Spidey's like first supervillain, just like Spectacular Spider-Man did.
0: It's also a great supervillain powers wise. Like it's the perfect villain to have Spider-Man fight as he's figuring powers out because Vulture's whole thing is like, I'm taking you into the sky. Yeah. So you get to like capitalize on those like, but I'm really awkward swinging still moments. Yeah. Well, I like the other thing, too,
1: that's like a through line through a chunk of this episode is Peter trying to figure out the PSI, like the pressure of his webbing, which I think is really clever because that's the thing I've never like thought about, you know, Mm -hmm. but the fact that he's constantly adjusting it to be like slightly more pressure. So it actually works and everything, which, you know, is going to be more complicated when you're fighting a flying villain. So I thought that was really cool. That was really smart
0: yeah i thought that was I thought that was neat. I will be curious to see what they do with that if much after this point, and if so, how? because I like it in the way they've used it to the point I've seen. I could also envision myself getting annoyed with it if they don't either conclude that as a thing he's figuring out or continue to use it in innovative ways. You know what I mean mm-hmm. but i dig it I dig it as like a a dorky equipment thing, yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. So the two continue to fight, and Vulture pulls Spider-Man into the sky with the intention of dropping him, which makes sense. We see this over and over with Vulture. It's sort of his thing. Unable to shake Spider-Man, though, Vulture ends up crashing Spidey through a rooftop greenhouse, and Spider-Man ultimately uses his webbing to slow down and kind of toss-ish Vulture into a daily bugle truck. So this sort of, like, concludes their first... Meeting it's sort of brief, but it gives you exactly the impression you need and exactly the impression spider man needs of what vulture is capable of doing, yep, so the
1: police move in to apprehend, but the vulture escapes by creating a classic dilemma: Save these for civilians or or pursue me because he basically like wait, what he there ends up being a bunch of like debris and stuff falling down. Yeah, I don't remember what he does to make that happen. He uses
0: his (laughs) – yeah, yeah, yeah. So he uses his sonic scream, and I think Spider-Man is basically like, you missed? And Vulture was like, I wasn't aiming for you. And then Spider-Man looks up, and all the glass from the buildings that the Vulture hit with his sonic blast – are falling down towards the civilians, specifically in this case, all on top of a, the, like, a couple of police officers that are nearby. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he basically says, like, you can catch me or you can save them. Like, take your pick.
1: Yeah. Spidey obviously chooses to save the people because it's – he's not going to let people just be impaled with glass and shit, right? So, like, he – um but I like the way that he saves the, the cops because he just, like – webs the shit out of them until there's just a giant web ball cushion so that all the debris just bounces right off them. But then, you know, so the vulture escapes and then they're like, so when can we leave this web ball? And Spidey's like, I don't know. I guess it, I think it disintegrates in an hour. Hopefully anyway, bye. And I love that. He just like leaves the cops, just like trapped in a really awkward, embarrassing position like that. I,
0: I mean, I <laughs> I get what you're saying here, but I like it only from the perspective of, the joke, and that he's inexperienced. Because, like, when when the glass was falling, I was like, "What is he gonna do?" And yeah. then ultimately, he he uses like the dumbest solution possible. I mean, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I was genuinely like, "What is he? That's what he's all right." <laughs> that was like my in in real time reaction.
1: Yeah, I do notice that this Spider Man, at least in the, the the these first few episodes, does a lot more with like web balls and web mounds and just like putting the web together rather than like making like he makes parachutes and stuff sometimes but like he does less of making things out of it and just like shooting webbing and more just forming it together into like big bouncy things a lot which is weird but fun like Like web
0: constructs (laughs) you know like in the like um like specifically referencing like lantern constructs it's like i'm gonna make a solid object out of my webs
1: yeah yeah it's interesting I wonder if they're going to address Peter having to, like, make his web fluid and how expensive that is because he uses a lot of webbing Whatever he uses webbing. He uses a lot of it all well, the time.
0: <laughs> well, that's why I'm saying it's, like, the worst possible solution is, like, I'm just going to use literally all of my web. Because um, what – I mean, what ends up happening is, like, all the glass does fall on the police officers, but it falls on the web ball. And yeah. Luckily, none of it falls on, like, their heads, I guess. Otherwise, Spider-Man would be facing, like, you know – a real failure of a situation here, but uh,
1: you literally trapped them. So that to get a failed value degree. degree.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, after this happens and vulture escapes, we cut to later in that day. So um, we see Harry, he's in his, he's in his fancy vehicle being driven around by who, by no coincidence (laughs) looks exactly like Bernie Sanders and is named Bernie, which makes sense in universe but looks exactly like Bernie Sanders.
1: (laughs) I don't get... I don't like it, and I don't get it. I don't
0: understand why it's happening. It is very clear what is happening, but I don't understand why it's happening.
1: I think I don't like it, because it's not, like, a fun cameo. It's like, oh, the, the Osborn's butler is Bernie Sanders. Like, that feels condescending, I guess, but I don't know why, like, and how. Like, I don't know the reason for why they're doing it. It's weird. I
0: didn't even think of it that far. Like, it's just literally, like, his... He has... It's Bernard, right? Like, that's it's it's i guess he's had well he's had a butler named bernard before right Right. like i'm not making that up yeah i mean i literally think they didn't go further than just being like bernard is like bernie and at this point this would have been in production the year that bernie sanders was Well, i don't know exactly the timeline but bernie sanders was running for president in 2016 and so i think it literally is just somebody being like wouldn't it be funny if bernie looked like bernie sanders it's not that funny. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, it's just distracting. It just ends up being sort of – yeah, it ends up being distracting. I get where they probably thought it was funny in the moment, but it ends up being so distracting. They're even doing a Bernie Sanders impression. Like,
1: if, if Bernie Sanders was doing a voice cameo on the show, cool, fine. He just wanted to do a voice cameo on it, and they just wrote him as the butler. He obviously was down for it. That's fine. But that's not what's happening. So, no. like, I don't understand what, <laughs> what, what the so joke weird.
0: is. It's so weird. Weird choice. Don't like it. So I guess that's two very tiny details I'm not a fan of. Anyway, none of them matter. So ultimately, Harry's personal driver, Bernie Sanders, uh, drops him off to meet up with Peter before school. Harry basically explains, like, they always meet up before school. They did it when they went to the same school. They're not going to stop doing it just because they go to different schools. So they're getting smoothies, and Harry mentions that Peter should apply to Horizon High because there's an opening. And Peter basically says, like, I can't do that because me and Aunt May wouldn't be able to afford it ultimately after a little bit of conversation peter says he misses hanging out with harry and harry is like well that's fine because like it's not gonna be long till we see each other again because i'm gonna be at your school later today for a recruitment presentation with horizon high <laughs> like like, dude ultimately he explains like this presentation is going to be given by max modell which excites peter because peter says max modell is like my idol and um, Harry sees this and is like, see, like, you can't be this excited about Max Modell and not think that you should apply for Horizon High. As they're having this conversation, Peter realizes in a very classic Peter Parker move that he made a commitment to actually set up for that exact presentation. And is like, shit, I forgot. Runs away from Harry in the smoothie place to get back to Midtown High, hopefully in time.
1: A couple of things about the this um, scene, because I, I, I like this scene fine and everything. When you were watching it, was the sound mixing, like, really weird in, like, this and the other scene in the smoothie restaurant, like, where the background music was just felt, like, way too loud? Oh,
0: okay, gotcha. I was like, I didn't notice anything weird, but, yeah, the, the, the music was loud enough that I thought that another tab on my computer had opened or something.
1: Yeah, It's really weird. Like, you have, it's a, it's not like you can barely hear the characters, but, like, you have to work to differentiate the characters because the music is like almost on the same level as their dialogue. And it happens in this scene and when they return to the smoothie, yeah. the, the smoothie restaurant, but then doesn't happen in like following episodes when they're there. So it feels like that was like a weird mistake that I'm surprised didn't get fixed for reruns. Cause like, it sounds like a rave in there, like with how loud yeah. the rock music playing is. I like it's real. get
0: why the music is there. It's supposed to just be like background music at a restaurant, but it's like, yeah, yeah it's very, very prominent.
1: It's too yeah. It's just it's just too. I think yeah. I think the the mixing was just the levels and the mixing were just off. I guess. But yeah, yeah. It was just really off. I was just surprised because that's not like a mistake that I feel like happens that often. I'm sort of surprised it didn't get fixed even for reruns or for streaming later. But it's not it's not the worst thing. It's just like that's weird, but okay. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: a little confusing. I could see it being a choice, and then. Somebody being like, actually, just don't do that again, please. Thanks. Like...
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing I do like, and it's more addressed in the next episode, but I do like the idea where it's like, there's a great opportunity for something that Peter really wants to do that he's perfect for. And the only reason that he he doesn't feel like he can do it is because he's not privileged enough to do it. Like, he doesn't have, like, he, he knows that he's not in the right, like, financial class to be able to, to do that. And I like that the show is, like, directly calls that out like it's like yeah i love it i would love to or he's almost in denial about it it's like no i won't be able to do it and it's like no you're he's only telling himself that to like soften the impact that like no he does want to do it he just knows he literally can't because he can't afford it and even though that's really unfair
0: yeah well and it's it's uh it's a it's a lot of things i mean it's that it's the fact that like peter is sort of uh, like preserving himself from the disappointment and that doesn't allow yeah. him to see opportunities. Cause yeah. like ultimately what we'll find out is there are opportunities. Like it's possible. It's just that like, yeah, he's, he, he sees it one particular way. Cause he's a 16 year old kid and uh, he's just like sort of protecting his own feelings.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like it. It's like more depth than you would expect from, just like a few conversations and, and just sort of the setup for the for the episode, I like it a lot.
0: Well, I think it's I think it's straightforward, but it has real world depth and complexity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Like it feels very very simply Peter Parker, but it 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 happens to exist within a setting that so many people in the real world can appreciate.
1: Yeah, definitely, fully. I also I really like the transition where he's just like, oh yeah, I even I'm so excited. I even planned to come in and set up today. Oh no, I said I'd come in early and set up today, and then he runs I love out. That. Really good. I, I think the comedy in the show is is pretty is, is pretty good, and I'm sort of excited to see it um see it evolve because I feel like it's one of those things that can only get better.
0: I think it's on the right track, mm-hmm. and I I think that it's it will be good if they continue to evolve it. Because I wouldn't call the episodes that we've watched like especially funny at any really given point. Like there might be funny moments and stuff, but like I'm not entirely sure that I could argue it has like a strong comedic style to it.
1: It's a lot of hits and misses, but I'm sort of surprised sometimes with how funny some of the like, the delivery can be. Yeah, um, and there definitely feels like they're trying to have a comedic edge. In, in certain ways and not, you know, not in, like, the same sort of, like, way that Ultimate Spider-Man was. I like, think it's not trying to be a full comedy, but it wants to have some kind of edge to it. Sure. And it's sort of searching for that comedic voice, but it, I feel it's shining through. And I know that, you know, its head writer comes from a lot of comedy. So, like, I think it's possible for that to shine through as it goes along and develops better.
0: So, ultimately, Peter does end up at Midtown. <laughs> not where I would have expected him to be, though. He's, like, working in a science lab. And Liz Allen... Like, finds him there too and is like, dude, you said you would help us set up. And Peter's response is so weird because he's like, well, I figured since I wasn't going to make it on time, I would just work on homework instead. What? You just <laughs> you ran there. Were... What are you? <laughs> right. You just ran there to, to, to like make, sh- like, because you forgot. Like, it was very strange to me, but yeah. it does highlight the fact that Peter Parker really doesn't have any sort of like social footing or real, like, um, real, uh, I don't know like he just doesn't have any connection with anybody but Harry like once he's not interacting with Harry like he loses his ability to just like be a human being around other human beings and we don't just see that here we see it like consistently throughout like the way that he interacts with people just in general.
1: Yeah, and people tend – a lot of students just generally very clearly just don't like him. <laughs> like, yeah. people tolerate him at best. Like, Harry really is the only one that seems to get him in any way.
0: But not in, like, a hostile way. Like, with with a couple key exceptions, it's not even, like, people hate him. They're just sort of, like, bothered by him because yeah. they don't get it. And they're just like, oh, my gosh. Like, what What do you – like, chill, man.
1: Well, he is, like – he's an <laughs> annoying kid. Like, we, we we see all shades of him, so, like – we get him a little more, but like if you were just to walk into a room and have him talk in the way that he talks to the people in the scene, it's like, Oh my fucking God, shut up.
0: Yeah. He doesn't. <laughs> yeah. He just doesn't know how to interact with humans. And like, and yeah. it makes sense. Cause like Harry knows him well enough to just like cut him off comfortably. And it's, I actually think it's cool the way that they portray that because Peter is never bothered when Harry cuts him off. He's almost like appreciative. I feel like to a degree where it's like, Oh yeah, I guess I was kind of like rambling and i think it's a cool way to show their relationship because i think it demonstrates a level of familiarity and friendship that translates really well into other situations when harry isn't there somebody yeah. could if liz allen became his friend liz allen would do the same thing harry's doing which is like peter you're not making any sense <laughs> let me ask yeah. you this again you know
1: and i'm i'm excited to see who he becomes closer with once he's at horizon high because you know, people are good. There's a lot more kids who are maybe on his same like intellectual wavelength, probably that he'll meet there Yeah, and like who he sort of is able to like vibe with because they at least have that similarity. Like I've never felt so invested in like who Peter's going to become friends with that I have on this show oh, just because of how they've set it up <laughs> to, be, to be so lonely and awkward, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Liz ultimately says like, well, f- forget it. Don't worry about it. Randy helped me anyway um randy shares that he's writing a story on max mildell for the school paper uh we actually a lot of characters just like walk into this scene (laughs) um (laughs) randy shares so it's just going to be a bunch of like disparate sentences that all connect in a way but randy shares that it's cool that a school for geniuses is recruiting at midtown um this is where alistair smythe just sort of like swoops in and is like oh hi hi i'm here too and he he does that just to shit on Horizon, basically to be like, well, they must not be that great if Harry Osborne is there, which is funny because we will eventually see him obsessing over Horizon High. And then Spencer Smythe, like, further interrupts to just walk in and say things. Um, and his <laughs> his thing that he's going to walk in and say is that Max Model sucks. Um, and he calls him an overrated lab assistant and a fraud, which, again, we are going to see him obsess over Max Model. So very, very clear and not subtle and not meant to be subtle – like exactly what Alistair and Spencer Smite's relationship with the things that they want but can't have manifests as. And actually, those characters are one of the first sort of things that like rang the bell for me as far as like what Uncle Ben was talking about and how characters may act in this show. Because he talks about like gifts and not recognizing things and how when you don't see the thing that you are or that you have or whatever the case may be, that you take it out on other people. And that is exactly what we've seen so far and will continue to see in this episode and beyond Alistair and Spencer Smythe doing. Like they're just very vindictive characters and they just constantly take digs at other people even when you know they admire them or want what they have.
1: I like that reading a lot. and I, Yeah, I'm very interested to see how that continues. Because ah. I don't
0: think that will end with the smithes. I, I, no. I, I can't imagine. I think if they are supposed to be the most obvious example of it, there's going to be subtler or more nuanced examples of it down the road. Yeah.
1: I will say, knowing what I know now, what I've learned tonight about Max Modell, I know this isn't what's actually going to happen. I know what
0: you're going to say, maybe. (laughs) Until I am
1: explicitly told otherwise, definitively told otherwise, I believe that Spencer and Max are just angry exes. I think Spencer- Oh, that's not what
0: I thought you were going to say. Yeah,
1: that was was my vibe. I just thought
0: you were going to say that Alistair has like, like uh uh like basically wants to fuck Max but like Max is unavailable to him cuz he doesn't like him.
1: Ooh. Oh god, which one do I like better? I think I might like the la- your idea better because I don't like that Spence that Spencer and Max were ever in a relationship.
0: Yeah. But I Oh god, it. did I say I Alistair on accident? It. I mix their names up all the time.
1: Oh, we well, you know which. you meant the you meant the, the man.
0: I very much meant Spencer everybody. If I said Alistair, I meant Spencer. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, Alistair might have might have a crush on Max, might have a high school crush on Daddy Max. Don't need too. to get
0: into it. <laughs> um Yeah. Either there's some there's some there's some There's a specific tension there, yeah.
1: I think that Max and Spencer could have been together like in grad school or something and Max was attracted and we're not going to go into this. No, anyway, I you, hey,
0: you can have your th- I I refuse to accept that Max Modell would ever accept the affection of Spencer Smythe.
1: <laughs> I think you know. I people people can be surprising when they're in weird places.
0: I like Max Modell too much.
1: I do like him too much.
0: I okay. Both, get into it. We talk ships sometimes.
1: I just think that like I could sort of see a place where I, like I could see Max in like hot, undergrad or grad school or even like fresh out of grad school, but not actually having a job yet, where he's just like really, like, carefree, kind of, like, the dude-like, and then Spencer is, like, the really uptight one, and there's sort of the odd couple situation, like, opposite the track situation, where they're, like, they're roommates, and then while they're roommates, even though they, like, argue a lot about the apartment they're living in and how, like, Max leaves it dirty and doesn't fill up the dishwasher, and Spencer always has to do it, and they argue about it, but then that arguing just, like, builds up into, like, an argument where they just end up making out and like they're just like actually there is an attraction between this because we're so different from each other and I'm attracted to that and they're probably together maybe on and off maybe in an open relationship for a little while but then eventually Max actually does start to grow up but Spencer ends up being the one that's sort of like in this arrested development of being this sort of like vindictive jealous person who like never feels like he's getting what he deserves and then like Max you know becomes a lot more secure and confident and just like a regular human and it's just like actually I'm too good for you and leaves Spencer and Spencer is just very vindictive about that
0: okay I see where you're coming from a little bit more I'm not necessarily gonna buy those cookies but I'll buy some similar to it I could see a situation where Max Modell and Spencer Smythe have a history but the history isn't as involved as that but I like where you were getting at with the idea that maybe Max Modell is more of like a free spirit type dude and Mm -hmm. that Spencer was sort of like into max and something happened but max was like no that wasn't really much of a thing like i don't know i just thought it yeah. was fun and then spencer was like no 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 no, it was a thing and that like evolves into this sort of like uh, hostility towards max because max was always sort of like freer or more sure of himself spencer is obviously very deeply <laughs> sort of like insecure i would buy those cookies there's an entitlement slant to that too yeah.
1: that I think works for his character a lot. I, that's way more complex than what I was saying. I kind of like that a lot. I like that a lot.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. The show's never going to get into that, so we can think whatever we want.
1: <laughs> Send me your uh, email, Walving Web Snappers at gmail.com, your Spencer and Max fan yeah.
0: art. <laughs> Tell us. Oh, okay. Well, I was good. Send Derek all your Spencer and Max fan art. Send me all of your Spencer and Max history fanfic or theories. That's what yeah. I want.
1: Okay. I want well, to know I, how
0: how all of your theories about their history are are slight variations of the like four or five we just laid out there.
1: Yeah. Um. I'll take the fan art. Thank you. you can do whatever you want. Do whatever you want with that. Uh, any, anyway. Don't put anyway. Spencer
0: in my inbox, everybody. Yeah. Specifically, just say like
1: at Derek or <laughs> label it fan art. Doug, do not look at.
0: <laughs> no Spencer. No Spencer in my DMs. Okay. don't want it (laughs) Max you're welcome okay so shortly after this sort of like series of interruptions uh, the recruitment presentation actually begins Uh, we see Liz Allen actually you know can we pause and talk just briefly about Liz Allen I know we haven't talked about her a lot and there's probably not that much to say yet um, but there's a couple things to say generally Liz Allen's design and her sort of characterization so far What are your thoughts?
1: I like her tie. I think her tie is Oh, I hate her
0: tie. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. What is is that tie doing, Liz? What is it doing? I mean,
1: it's (laughs) – I think it showcases her – I don't know. I can't. I don't even know. I don't – I just like it. You can like like it. (laughs) I think – I don't – I think it's – I think it – I will say. I will say one thing. I think I would like the tie a little bit more if um this is gonna sound like I'm being a prude and I'm not I don't I I actually don't really like how open like the tops the top of her shirt is like where it ends up looking really messy like I I can I can get into that a little bit but I sort of feel like when she's like introducing uh like you know a, a guest speaker it feels weird when she has like this messy like button up that's like. Like really far unbuttoned in a tie that's like not tied up at all. Like for that, like that ends up feeling kind of messy. Like I would, I feel like maybe she's it. She seems a little too uptight for that sort of like chill, but also not, but, but I also see, kind of chic look. I don't know. But see, that's I don't what really I know. Is, what, I don't really know actually. What that's I feel like. okay.
0: That's why I wanted to ask you though, because I think there's a little bit of confusion on my end, and it sounds like on your end too, because I feel like her visual characterization is one of almost like. Like a like she's a little bit messy. Like she's almost like disheveled. Like even in her hairstyle, like her hairstyle is sort of unconventional. It sort of carries itself, I think. And it's hard to say. We talked last week about the animation style. Sometimes like a lack of detail is confusing. And in her case with her hair, it's very confusing. I'm not really sure what it's supposed to read, but in conjunction with the sort of like open shirt and like very low tie of it all, it just feels sort of like unkempt. And I don't know if it's supposed to read that way because it doesn't mesh with what otherwise feels like an uptight version of Liz Allen.
1: I get it. No, I get it. I get it. I got it. I got it. She is, so she is, she's uptight, but, but as we see in this episode, she's also, like, doing a lot and very exhausted while doing a lot. I think okay. that she's the type of uptight who overworks herself. So it's sort of like she probably starts the day with, a, like, a tightly buttoned shirt and a nicely tied tie and a beautifully combed hair and everything looks prim and proper. But she is doing so much it is pulling all-nighters constantly that, like, it just – she always ends up looking like the tired, disheveled journalist type archetype. You know, whenever you see, like, totally. journalists in yep. movies – that are like all out about, and they're always like dressed in like a like you know a tie and button up, but it's always like a loose tie, and they always have a little stubble and a and a, yeah. like a semi lit cigarette that's about to fall out of their mouth, and they're drinking whiskey alongside of it while they're writing their story at at two a.m. Right? Mm-hmm. She that's the vibe I think she's giving okay. off.
0: Okay, I'm glad we talked about this because I I have no idea how much we will get of Liz Allen because it's yeah, always know. kind of a toss up. But if we do get more, I will be very curious to see if we sort of like picked up on the right things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I could see that based on this episode specifically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel that. I like that. I like that take. Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to shout out our spectacular enough patrons, Katie, Joe, Mike, Flux, Eric, Eric, carl and lillian if you would like to join our patreon we have a ton
1: of great bonus content waiting for you we have our spider bites where we talk about pretty much whatever we want in the spider-man universe such as comics like
0: the current miles morales series and classics like craven's last Hunt. sometimes we do deep dives into spider-man stuff like our mini-series on the unmade spider-man movies or we spin off into other topics like the blade movies or the firestar comics Sometimes we'll do some bonus content just because we happen to have it, like Peaks Behind the Curtain or How We Make Certain Episodes.
1: And if you join us at the $5 Spectacular level, you also get access to our After Dark commentaries where we let loose and talk about shows that aren't Spider-Man related without a filter. Shows like Gargoyles, Batman Beyond, Muppet Babies, and more.
0: Ultimately, these are the types of things that we're going to talk about anyway, so recording it and making it available on Patreon is our way of saying thank you so much for supporting this show and letting us do the types of things we really want to do. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate that too. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. Okay, so ultimately liz allen this is this is why we're bringing her up liz allen introduces max modell who reveals uh this is such a like funny moment i think um who reveals he's actually sitting in the audience and he does this in order to show off horizon's hologram technology and the way this is revealed is by his hologram like walking on the stage and alistair smythe trying to shoot like a like a spitball at him and then Max Modell, actual Max Modell, like turning around in the audience right in front of Alistair Smythe and being like, ha I'm not actually up there.
1: Like... <laughs> Love that Alistair didn't notice in this group of all students, like the big burly bear man sitting directly in yeah. front of him.
0: <laughs> yeah, a giant human being sitting right in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> um, Max also, he, he sort of like describes what the students at Horizon are like. And he does this by sharing this complex formula. And he says, our students aren't just smart. They're not just intelligent. They're the types of students who can solve problems like this one and gestures to the formula that he is showing off. He then introduces two students who specialize in elemental physics named Anya Corazon and Miles Morales. So excited to see them here. Me, me too. And I love they're
1: both like smart kids. (laughs) Like they're both like, you know, like science geniuses, I guess. I'm really, yeah interested to see how that goes.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think one thing, I don't know if this is something people who I mean, I I know that Miles is portrayed as a smart kid in Into the Spider-Verse, but that that movie is very much specifically about like a phenomenon and the video mm-hmm. game is like he's a smart kid there too, but that focuses way more on like the neighborhood and the community of it all Mm -hmm. i don't know if people realize like how smart miles is if those are their primary introductions to him like miles is also like a genius i feel like the comics will frequently sort of show off the school as like more exceptional than some of the other media have Mm -hmm. um and i like that this show very explicitly puts him in that space yeah, like
1: into the Spider-Verse, it just was it seems just like a just a like a prep school, like just or just a private school in general. It didn't really emphasize that it was anything that particularly special. Like you could assume it is. Yeah. But there's nothing that really like specifies that necessarily.
0: And it's okay I think for the story they're telling, which really yeah. has nothing to do with his school outside of it being something that plays into his sense of not belonging, right? Like it's yeah. not about the school, it's about the setting.
1: Yeah, or something that Gwen is just able to, like, fake fake getting into somehow. Oh, gosh. I
0: forgot that we examined that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. But Gwen is yeah. a genius, too.
0: Like, let's be real. That's true. That's true. All these kids are geniuses. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I agree
1: with you, though. I like that it's sort of like, yeah, you know, Miles also the equivalent to Brooklyn Visions or, or whatever is Horizon High in this in this show, and that's cool. Yeah. I don't know anything. I honestly, truly... Aside from the fact that she is a spider person, know nothing about Anya, like, at all. Truly nothing.
0: I know very little about her. I've seen her appear in things. Is she, is her her.
1: alter ego Silk, or is that someone different? No,
0: no, that's somebody different.
1: See, that's how little I know. Okay, well, this will be a fun (laughs) journey for me to be on.
0: (laughs) Great, I love that. I won't tell you anything. (laughs) I know a little bit more than you, but not very
1: much. <laughs> cool. I know she's a spider person, that's literally it. So yep, yep. very excited to see. And she's interesting in this one because she's actually kind of antagonistic, which is fun. So yeah. I'm really excited to see more of her. <laughs> yeah.
0: Do you think that this show will okay, one thing that this show doesn't or this episode doesn't demonstrate, but I would be very curious to see if the show ever addresses this. I I don't know very much about Anya Corazon, but I would guess that based on how comics characters are created, I would guess that both of these characters are Spanish speakers. We know that Miles is. I wonder if the show will ever portray that. I hope so. I hope so. That That would would be be pretty neat. Especially if they're specifically annoyed with Peter.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. That would be genius. And need to have a private
0: conversation. Would love it.
1: Yeah, I hope so. That would be. Yeah, that's great. That would be such a wasted thing if they don't do it. So we'll see.
0: And correct me if I'm making an assumption that's wrong. I'm totally fine with that. I don't know enough about Anya to know. I'm making that assumption purely based on her last name.
1: Yeah, I just assume assume that too, but who knows? Yeah. And her spider
0: <laughs> alter ego name, which I won't tell you.
1: Oh, shit. I'm sure that I've seen it. I just can't. I can't even think of what it is. So... Backstage, Spencer Smythe is asking Harry to uh, check a contraption that's making an odd humming noise. Um, Harry's like, all right, cool. So he investigates the machine. And then Spencer just, like, takes a picture of him on his phone covertly. Fucking weird. Well, yeah, this whole plan is weird. (laughs) Harry is none the wiser. He doesn't notice that he was just taken. uh, He was just had a photo taken of him. Um, He's like, the device is fine. I don't know. I don't know what your deal is. But um, Max Modell calls him to the stage. So, you know, he goes there and uh, Modell refers to him as one of Horizon's exceptional chemistry students. As Harry leaves, Spencer vows to take Max and his whole school down.
0: How far into this series do you think this at least Spencer Smythe will be a focal point? Because I feel Mm. like it's so thick that he's supposed to be sort of like our first primary sort of antagonist to a degree. But I can't imagine that with how thick this is that he's like a long term figure. Yeah, because it's also
1: tied up into like. The mystery of like what Max's actual backstory is because they refer to him as being a fraud and I think they refer to stuff. I don't remember if it's this episode or the one after this where they sort of hint at something more in his in his uh, background, which I'm sure is tied up with Spencer Smythe. I have to imagine that maybe is like a first half of this season thing. Um because the season is like twenty five episodes long. So it's like yeah. it's a it's a it's a lengthy season. So I would I would expect a half season thing, maybe even sooner than that. Um but it also sort of depends on like how they spread the stuff out too. Sure. Because I could also see st- like long stretches where Spencer Smythe just doesn't appear and then pops up again later on because they're introducing so much stuff that's um, true. That's that fair. like they can just kind of cycle cycle through characters and stuff if they wanted to.
0: Yeah. So like you said, Harry is called on stage um, and Harry introduces Anya Corazon and the device from backstage, which turns out to be Anya's vibranium reactor. And Anya explains that the device is going to make vibranium far more accessible to the world outside of Wakanda. So we get a Wakanda reference. She says, you know, previously we only found this stuff there, but with my device, you know, it'll it'll be available to not everybody, but it'll be more available. She moves to activate the device and Peter's spider sense goes off. Anya does activate the device, and unsurprising to Peter, but surprising to everybody else, it begins to spark, and it starts emitting these, like, energy pulses. So disaster strikes in the auditorium.
1: What was the vibranium reactor supposed to do exactly? Was it generating vibranium or like mimicking what vibranium could be used for? It's called a reactor. So, I don't really based, understand.
0: Yeah. I think the re I think the name reactor is probably confusing based on what I think it's supposed to be doing. This is something that Spider-Man explains like just in a little bit or Peter explains in just a little bit, but I know that the device is supposed to be absorbing vibrations And Mm -hmm. that's what makes vibranium so strong is that it absorbs vibrations instead of, I don't know, conducting them or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't, I, my guess is that Anya's device is supposed to create the process of the characteristic that vibranium naturally has. I don't think it's making vibranium. So it seems like maybe what she's trying to do is generate that quality in other things. So like maybe, maybe like, Effectively, she's like turning other metals into vibranium. Yeah, I could see that. Or like giving other things the quality of vibranium
1: or it's like generating energy in the same way that vibranium would without the use of vibranium, essentially. Like if you were like, sort of like yeah. creating like a, a faux nuclear reactor that didn't require any nuclear material, but still like produced radiation in the same way or something like that. Like I, that, I yeah, that's, that's interesting. It's definitely
0: um, not the destination. Cause the device itself is drawn to be like this wacky sort of like old school sci-fi junk machine. Yeah. Like it's got like wires and like all sorts of shit poking out of it. So it's, I mean, I I, I think it, it's got to be like a relatively early stage of whatever her research is.
1: Sure. So obviously there's energy pulses happening and there's chaos that's happening. So the audience is running from the auditorium and Peter's like, cool, perfect opportunity to just slip away and change into my homemade costume. So it's getting closer, he observes that instead of the reactor absorbing vibrations, like you were saying, it's emitting them instead. So after saving a remaining student, the ceiling begins to crumble. Spidey kind of creates like a small spectacle just by being there. It's like who's that guy? Um, as he kind of catches all of the, like the debris from the ceiling coming down. Um, so it's kind of almost kind of like his big, his big uh, entry into the world and big reveal as Spider-Man essentially. Yeah, he runs towards uh, the device, does some of his sciencey things because Peter's going to science and he's able to shut the whole thing down. Uh, But unfortunately, in shutting the device down, it also sort of explodes and creates like a whole bunch of fires in the auditorium. So that sucks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That confused me at first. I was like, how did fire happen? Um, And I had to go back and and like watch uh, to see that like, oh, I guess it's exploding.
1: (laughs) Well, the other thing that confuses me, too, there's a couple of things because then Peter's like, oh, shoot, I got to call the fire department, but I can't make a phone call inside the auditorium, um, which is sort of like I'm sure someone else is probably going to call the fire department. But okay. But also we'll see people once all of this is fixed, we'll see people in the auditorium, even though I thought they all ran out and they should have all run out when it caught on fire but then they're there it's weird i don't really understand this whole sequence very much but (laughs) there's well
0: okay so the people they like run from the pulses but i get the sense that they were like maybe waiting and watching at the door because when he catches the roof they're like at the back of the auditorium so i'm assuming that that's kind of where they're at i i do sure they yeah they don't show anybody like in the space when the when they show the fires I feel like I would just chalk that up to them sort of just like not filling in the background. Like I it like yeah, they could have just drawn like a couple people at the doors and I feel like it would have vastly improved exactly what you're talking about cuz it feels like they come out of nowhere
1: once Peter stops the fires in the auditorium, which is sort of like you guys are next to the door and the whole auditorium is now on fire and you're just choosing not to leave that's <laughs> okay
0: <laughs> well I think there's a, yeah there's a couple things they could tweak one is that right like all they would need to do is show some people at the doors show some people off to the side or whatever especially before the fires start and then I actually think the next thing I think the next thing that happens too should probably be tweaked very slightly because of what you were talking about with like the phone call thing I think they should have ditched the phone call thing I think instead of him being like oh i can't make a phone call i must do something about this and what i am going to do about this is use max's formula which i've been working on in my head to modify anya's device and create an indoor rain cloud i think instead <laughs> yeah. of doing which which works like he makes a rain cloud and it puts out all the fires and everything yeah. i think instead of doing the phone call thing he should have just had like a moment of excited obsessive peterism in this show and been like i know what to do because the other thing that's a little weird is like They wouldn't be able to, and I know we're getting nitpicky. They wouldn't be able to have an auditorium without sprinklers, right? In a school? Uh, So, like, all they would have had to do.
1: The uh, school is so under budget that they can't even install, like, real sprinklers. But they could have so
0: easily, because this would have, I think this also would have worked with with the, the next beat, which is Anya being like, what did you do to my device? And why did you get everything fucking wet? In addition to her being like, you idiot, you broke my machine. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody could have been like, also you could have just pulled the sprinkler. You know what I mean? You yeah. still would have had Matt or you still would have had Peter sort of play on this formula thing. But I think a lot of the things that are like a little bit wrinkly about this could have easily been smoothed out if you just ignored the phone call thing and like dropped a couple people in the auditorium rubbernecking yeah. a
1: little bit. Yeah. I I agree with that. It's just a, it's a, it's just a kind of a confusing setup and it's a combination of like, you know, the animation and also just like some of the dialogue and it's just, Yeah. They get to a, a particular point that is important, which is that Anya is mad at him for messing up his device, which is going to set up their character dynamic, but also Max noticed that Peter used his formula and did save the day as Peter, which you know gets him in Max's good graces right off the bat. So like those are the two important things to to come out of this, essentially. Max asks about Peter, and Harry introduces the two. Max is obviously impressed uh, that Peter created an indoor rain cloud to put out a bunch of fire in an auditorium. That's a pretty big deal. And he shares that Peter's the only one that's been able to figure out Max's indoor storm cloud problem.
0: Which Max even says he hasn't figured out. Like that, I think, is a really big deal. Max didn't just like show this formula to see who could figure it out. He specifically says, like, I've been trying to figure that out for a while now.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. (laughs) <laughs> then Alistair Smythe, little shit, just runs in and is just like, I solved it too. But, like, the solution was on paper, which there was just indoor rain, so obviously it, like, blurred it all up. And Mox is like, I don't know what that is, dude, By Alistair literally says, like, Parker, with the clenched, shaking fists, like a complete
0: supervillain. They're straight out of a comic book, those two. They really are. They're so over the, the top. The Smythe in this series, they're so over the top. <laughs>
1: It's so over the top. Yeah, I mean, almost honestly, like it fe- it, it feels intentional at a certain point. Given that, like, oh, again, 100%. Alistair's design looks like he's right out of the '60s, whereas everyone else is like very updated. So it's like it's very, yeah. It's just like you are just cartoonish. You are literally cartoon villains, even too car- cartoony for this cartoon. Yeah, if it um, <laughs>
0: weren't for the fact that it was, it feels very obvious from the get go that this is very intentional. It would be annoying. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But it's it's obvious that they're doing it on purpose. Like, they're showing us things so bluntly that it's it's very clear that we're supposed to see them as these cartoonish villains.
1: Yeah, they're li- literally, like, dick dastardly and Muttley. Like, yeah. it's Yeah. Yeah, it's like, curse you, Parker. And Spencer's like, don't worry, son. Soon it'll all be fixed.
0: <laughs> That's why I just wonder, like, how far Spencer can even make it into this series. Because it's I just know. so... So villainous, um, mm-hmm. but it's funny. I like it. I like it only because it very clearly knows what it is. Yeah. yeah. So Max thanks Peter for intervening and offers him a place right then and there at Horizon High before Peter can even say anything. And I would have to assume that he would be like, ah, I can't, but we don't, we don't necessarily know. We don't get that. Before he can say anything at all, Spencer interrupts presenting the photo that he took of Harry and claiming that Harry sabotaged Anya's device. And he says that Horizon is required to suspend and investigate any student accused of sabotage, which is a really wild fucking rule to have uh, on paper. But I guess it makes sense if you're all, like, very ambitious students, like, trying to, like, invent shit. Yeah, I guess so. I could see where, like, there may be a history. I don't know how long Horizon High has existed there could be a history or precedent of somebody trying to, like, sabotage another student's work. Just a really sure. funny thing for someone to say.
1: Yeah. yeah, Yep. Yep. Also, very, just a very funny thing for an adult man to frame a 16-year-old kid. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, wow. Okay, buddy. <laughs> there's, more, there's
0: more there. There's so much more there. <laughs> uh-huh. So, another funny thing max i was not expecting something funny to come out of like this this brand of weird funny not like haha funny just funny like kind of off to come out of any other character that isn't a smythe. but max straight up to spencer's face calls him devious he's like you are devious spencer but you're also right it's like holy shit <laughs> the- whatever's going on here i can- cannot wait to get more it's so weird anyway so he's like you are right like we do have to investigate Harry. Sorry, like, we're going to have to suspend you, but hopefully it'll be quick. It's very clear that Max does not believe Spencer, and I guess that's probably why they made it so obvious in in him straight up calling Spencer devious, but we are clearly supposed to walk away from this with the understanding that Max does not think Harry had anything to do with it. Yeah. Naturally, Peter and Harry, like, object to the idea that Harry's going to be suspended for this, because, like... I think Harry even says like, what is he even showing you? Cause he doesn't even know still that Spencer took a picture yeah. of him. They start to be like, what the hell? But they don't get far because the vulture interrupts a lot of interrupting in this episode. I'm realizing, <laughs> yeah. um, but the vulture interrupts grabs max Modell with his talents and just flies out. It's just like, see ya got max. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Peter runs to, as he says, get help, but obviously changes into his costume to chase the vulture and try to save max yep, yep this is where we start to hear max screaming a lot by the way <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. so outside max is being held by the vulture and the vulture is identified by max as adrian tombs just just as he is in most iterations and max is demanding to be put down the vulture rejects the name and claims that adrian tombs was a pathetic employee of yours who was fired unfairly and max is like no you're adrian <laughs> and also you were fired for stealing equipment so the vulture just drops him uh but then no. swoops him down to grab him again as a uh you know just 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 to scare him a little bit
0: yep cue the fred Tatashore scream number one <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh-huh. it's also so funny that just like the first episode of the Spectacular Spider-Man, you have the Vulture lifting and kidnapping a former employer of his, yep. who is like a brilliant scientific mind, uh, who is like felt who he's felt scorned by.
0: Look, Vulture has a brand, okay, and he knows yep. it, and it's very, very clear and strong. Uh-huh. <laughs> Good for you, Vulture.
1: Bonus points for the employer that he's lifting. Lifting in both cases had like red hair too. So yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> So the Vulture begins to sort of, like, elaborate on this point of I was fired unfairly, but as the interruptions just keep happening, Spider-Man swoops in and kicks the Vulture, causing Max to plummet toward the ground again. Cue Fred Tattashore scream number two. (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man does manage to catch Max with his webbing, but Vulture grabs Spider-Man and digs his talons into Spider-Man, to which Spider-Man responds by dropping Max again Cueing Fred Tettishore scream number three. So, like, all in the course of, like, probably 30 seconds, Max is dropped from, like, a ridiculous height towards the ground and just, like, ha- can't do anything about it. Like, how did this man not have a heart attack? How did he not pass out? How did he not, like, go into shock? Like, what? <laughs> poor He's dude. just...
1: That rad. Yeah that's that's your that's your gay energy just keeping you
0: alive. That's Yeah. That's, <laughs> it's just so funny because it's like there goes Max. Oh ah, we got him. There goes Max. Ah, we got him. There he goes again. Ah.
1: I do appreciate that the first damsel in distress on this show is Max Modell, of all
0: people. Yeah. Hey, if you had to bet on who it would be, I would not have bet Max.
1: Nope. I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. So you're for yeah. it. <laughs>
0: It creates like really fun images too, because like Spider-Man escapes from like the talon grip and he grabs Max and Max is like, okay, Spider-Man is a 16 year old kid and pretty much has the body of a 16 year old kid. And Max is a, is a giant of a man. And it's just like holding on to Spider-Man, like basically just like holding on for dear life and just like hanging. And it's just like the funniest image to me because not only does it, demonstrate that like spider-man is strong enough to hold max which he does multiple times but it also implies that max just has like the most ridiculous bear hug grip of all time because spider-man's not hanging on to him he's hanging on to spider-man like i'd I'd love to feel that bear hug grip personally he would kill a man (laughs) if that were not spider-man Spider- that, Peter would be dead. <laughs> Hug me to death, daddy. I'm here for it. It's just, it's like the funniest image of just this like giant yeah. of a man hanging from like a teenage superhero, like trying not to die. It's so funny. Great. It's great. I and love I it. specifically love this because the way that they don't die is Spider-Man makes his first web parachute of the series. Yeah. And I Hell love yeah. me a web parachute.
1: Hell Yeah. Um there's there's like a running gag in this episode. Not not even not that much of a running gag. It only happens it comes up a couple of times. What interrupting? Where, well that, did but I also Did I do it right?
0: Huh? I said did I do it right?
1: But I don't know what you're talking about by
0: <laughs> by interrupting you to oh. say that interrupting <laughs> was a joke. <laughs>
1: God damn it. It's like the interrupting <laughs> cow joke. Okay. That you did do it right then. Yeah. That wasn't what I was referring to, but you did interrupt <laughs> me like we often do all the time with each other. Um, no, there's a running gag of like people getting Spider-Man's name wrong because there's no spider logo on this iteration of his, sh- of his outfit anyway. So he's like referred yeah. to as the beetle at one point. I do like that the Max's assumption is flying squirrel. And he says it. He's just like, thanks, flying squirrel. Like he's so sure of himself that that's who <laughs> Spider-Man is. Yep. Which I feel like says a lot about him as a person, which I like.
0: <laughs> I guess
1: <laughs> that he would that, his, that the first like the first like acrobatic like like in the air animal that he could think of is the flying squirrel. I think that's very charming. Yes, <laughs> maybe I just have a crush not sure, on like, Max Modell. That's probably we all, probably more we all what's If
0: you don't have a crush on Max Modell, regardless of who you are, you are wrong. <laughs> like, yeah, just a delightful man. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, we get the flying squirrel. I think we get a bug boy at some point. Um, Vulture we calls get him the bug beetle. Boy, that's right. Yeah, so and that is that is that is like an important thing throughout the the episode.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So back at Midtown, amidst the destruction of the auditorium, Vulture returns to confront Spencer Smythe, and he's basically like, "I was promised vibranium," and Spencer was like, "Don't worry about it. Like, we'll figure it out." But I just had some personal business to take care of first. To which Vulture is like fuck you in your personal business and just like blasts him with his like Sonic blast. Alistair like begins to step in. Like, I don't know. I guess he was just sort of like running to his dad, which is understandable. Sure. But I mean, like Vulture was just going to hit him too. And, and, and starts to do that. Like he starts to, to move in towards the Smythes. Uh, but Spider-Man ultimately ends up intervening.
1: Yeah. So as he intervenes, uh, you know, the Vulture begins to unleash another Sonic blast before he lets loose Spider-Man just webs his mask up and flings him into a wall breaking all his flight equipment that that's it okay <laughs> <He defeated him.
0: laughs> I will say the only thing I'm really confused about because I'm fine with his his equipment breaking from being slammed in the wall like I could see that being like a genuine sort of like weakness I would really like to know what they intended was going on when he webs the mask of vulture because isn't it sort of clarified that the sound he's making is actually coming From his chest like he screams and it's like magnified by his equipment and the blast actually comes from like his lower throat was I looking way too deeply into this
1: oh I didn't really think about it but yeah it's I mean ugh.
0: God, it feels yeah,
1: like you're right. But yeah, like the Sonic Blast is like lower. It's like lower throat or maybe even his like upper chest or something like that. But maybe, yeah, I don't get it. I don't understand how webbing his mask affects that. I don't, remember, I don't understand.
0: Remember when we talked about um, Marvel Rising and they had, um, it was the rock and roll episode. <laughs> I don't know why I called it that. That's that Battle of not the help. Bands. <laughs> it was the Battle of the Bands episode. And the main villain was like a screecher, right? And yeah. like her whole mm-hmm. thing was like it was the the necklace she was wearing or the equipment she was wearing around her neck. Was actually the thing that was like magnifying what she was doing. I kind of yeah. got the same vibe from the Vulture, so I, it's like weird. Yeah, like I don't know why the visor. Uh, but I mean, I'm considering too much here. But I was very. I wanted to know what their what they thought was going on when they did that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a weird way to defeat the Vulture because it's just like I don't know. I like. I mean, they have stuff in the air, but I'm sort of surprised that there wasn't even more. Just like air spider-man vulture like finale fights like vulture flying him all the way up to the moon or whatever um, i i
0: fully expect we'll get more at some point i appreciate that the way he's defeated is his 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 equipment breaking because that feels on brand but it is weird where it happened
1: yeah yeah it's just kind of abrupt i don't know
0: <laughs> he's not the focal point of the episode i don't think he was True. meant to be like he's that's a vehicle fair. for all the other things to happen that's fair
1: yeah, so you know, Vulture's defeated uh, now. Um, the police ask Spidey to stick around, and he's like, "Nah, bye," and he leaves as usual, as as he should. <laughs> the next day, we finally get our our like first real full appearance of Aunt May in this. She's uh, she's walking Peter to Horizon High, and she's you know insisting that he stop worrying about how much it it's going to cost to go to Horizon High. That she'll worry about it. She even talks about getting a second job, and she's kind of joking about it. You know, which is un- understandable. does not something you want your 16 year old to be worrying about, like putting his dreams aside, worrying about your family's finances. So I appreciate that. And while they're walking, Harry joins them. And it's even like mid conversation it's like perfect timing because Peter's literally talking about Harry and like it feels weird because Harry just got suspended. And Harry's like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you deserve to be there, which is really nice. Like Harry's a really good friend to Peter, like yeah. really, really good friend to Peter. And and actually, at least from this one exchange, Norman doesn't sound that bad either. Because Peter is sort of like asking about it, like, "Hey, you were just suspended. How are you doing? How is you know, how did your dad react to that?" And Harry's like, "My dad said that if Horizon will not have someone like as smart and great as me, then he'll just create a school that's worth me, basically." Which is like, "Okay, I guess you and your dad have a pretty good relationship here. I guess. Hopefully, we'll see. Maybe put a pin in that for later."
0: But I don't, I I don't know that that read to me as norman's a good dad to no. me more red like megalomaniac <laughs>
1: well yeah okay i guess i'm comparing it to like most versions of norman and harry where norman would use that as an opportunity to tell harry that he's a piece of shit oh that's a good point just, that's a really that like the bare minimum of being like yeah you are a very smart child harry and i recognize that and it's and anyone who doesn't believe that is wrong, like, th- that can go in th- in a bad direction, as yeah. it often does with Norman, but in this case, like, he- the fact that he clearly is proud of his son, which is very
0: cool. Yeah, I was focusing on the wrong thing, because you're right, like, he would normally just be like, well, don't be a dumb piece of shit next time, Harry, like... <laughs> <laughs>
1: Exactly. exactly. Can, you, can you imagine like spectacular Spider-Man, Norman Osborn in this situation? Oh my God.
0: Demand more of me, dad. What do you want next? I fly a helicopter. I can fly a spaceship next. <laughs> I'll go to the moon. The moon is such a planet. What next dad, Jupiter? And Norman's just like, I mean, you went to Jupiter.
1: You could have gone to Saturn.
0: I heard Pluto's out there. <laughs> you dumb idiot.
1: anyway anyway yeah peter's got a good friend they're back at the smoothie place with the loud rave music again and harry says he will take over for walking peter to school instead of aunt may and because they all know each other and they're all friends and everything so they're in the smoothie place harry shares that uh, he's trying to make sense of the events leading up to his suspension because it makes no sense if you're anyone but spencer smythe so he acknowledges that the Smythes don't like him, but he suspects that that spider person must have had something to do with it. Which, like, uh-oh, that's not a good sign that you are already <laughs> having for Spider-Man. Yikes. Yep. And Peter, like, does start to object to this, but he doesn't really, like, go far with it, mostly because he's kind of pleasantly distracted by the fact that Harry actually recognized Spider-Man's aesthetic as a spider, the only person who has done that all episode.
0: Yeah. And, and it's really sweet. Like it's, it's, it's sort of depicted in this, like Peter's about to, go, cause it's in the same setting as before where Peter like starts to go on like a, uh, a sort of like sciencey ranty dorky sort of like tangent. And instead of Harry interrupting him, he sort of interrupts himself by realizing like, oh, Harry's my friend. <laughs> like, I just think yeah. it's kind of sweet. This
1: is going to be like my spectacular Spider-Man Eddie Brock, I feel like, because I feel like I'm just going to continually kind of warm up to Harry and Peter's friendship a lot. (laughs) And Harry is like such a nice, a nice kid, at least in terms of how he, how he interacts with Peter, that it's like, I'm not looking forward to the inevitable (laughs) Harry and Peter clash.
0: I was going to say, get ready. Yeah, Get ready for it. There's no way that
1: it's not going to happen in some capacity, right? So like. Yeah, and which is good because honestly most Peter and Harry adapt like adaptations up to this point that I've seen I don't think sell it very well often. Like there, there are good Harry Osborne stories, but I feel like there's too much jealousy too early often in Peter Harry stories, which is probably more authentic to the comics, you know. Sure. Um like Harry was was introduced as kind of a dick and they had to kind of build up their friendship. But I do like this take of being like no, they're not just best friends in name only. Like there is a palpable relationship here that you are not going to want to see dissolve because it is a really nice, pleasant friendship. And I think having Harry be the only person that gets Peter really kind of solidifies that. And they hammer it in, in this scene a lot. Um, and he is also very supportive of Peter, which like the fact that, He's not acting jealous of Peter, you know, getting essentially getting his spot at Horizon High and and the way that the scene ends where the, they leave the uh, smoothie place for school. Peter is like kind of rock, walking in the wrong direction because he's supposed to be going to Horizon High. Right. But he's walking with Harry, who's walking to Midtown and he's like, oh, I'm going in the wrong direction. And Harry replies, no, Pete, for once, you're going the right way. Aww. Which is so
0: sweet. He's so supportive. He is really supportive. And it is really nice to see because they do plant the seed of like, well, we're going to get the conflict because he doesn't trust Spider-Man. And Peter knows that. But it's like a nice subversion in a way of like, yeah, like there's there's not jealousy with Peter, <laughs> which yeah. would be so easy. Would be so easy. It, that's.
1: What most things do, that's a thing, a problem that I have with the Raimi movies, I think especially, because, like, Peter and Harry's, like, dissolution of their friendship is such, like, a fundamental, like, running thread in all three of those movies, but I think a big problem with it is that they sort of start off with Peter and Harry, like, not having that good of a friendship, like, do you see a little bit of it. And But, like, Harry is kind of an asshole to Peter right from the get-go to the point that, like, by the time the third one rolls around, they have to, like, have, like, flashbacks and have Harry lose his memory just to be like, oh, oh yeah, these were actually, like, good friends, by the way, before Harry became a supervillain. Like, I know we never showed that ever, but we're going to show that now. Like, I love that the show is, like, is, is doing such a good job at establishing that here.
0: So what you're saying is you don't prefer the 90s cartoons approach of ignoring <laughs> that they're friends for an entire season – and then just telling us they're best friends in the first episode of the second season? Like, that's not your vibe? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh... <laughs> yeah, you're right, though. I mean, they do – and it's, it's weird because it almost does feel like because of how many times they've done it that way, it almost feels like fundamental, but it, like, doesn't have to be because there yeah. are just better ways you could do it. So it's like yeah. it's, like, weird and notable when it's being done better, even though it's, like, not in line with what you expect and almost consider the standard.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, I, I I dig it though.
1: Really excited, but also like not looking forward to seeing where this inevitably go inevitably goes with Peter and Harry. But I'm very here for like mm-hmm. the drama that is inevitably going to happen because of how they've set up the yeah. uh, emotion of this relationship.
0: Uh since you mentioned Eddie Brock, like yeah, you're just giving me flashbacks.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> of spectacular so that Eddie. vibe. I'm I feel for you now, because I'm very I feel like I'm I'm all I'm I'm already like on the road to being in that exact same place. We're just like,
0: no, he's just a sweet boy. And I know where this is going (laughs) to go. No, you don't have to do it. You could do anything you want. It doesn't have to be that. Exactly.
1: Exactly.
0: Well, the episode ends with Peter arriving at horizon high and it actually, you know, one thing that we didn't mention, but I'm just thinking of now is when they leave the smoothie place, like it's raining And when he gets to horizon high, this is, I mean, this is corny and it's heavy handed, but when he gets Mm -hmm. to horizon high, like basically the, the storm breaks and it it becomes sunny and shines down on horizon high (laughs) and Max Modell, who is there waiting for him outside. So he meets up with Max Modell outside and uh, reflects on uncle Ben's advice about people finding their gifts and basically says, maybe I've, maybe I've found mine, which is really sweet.
1: Very sweet. Another
0: reason why I think we're supposed to focus on that bit of advice from Uncle Ben. The first episode literally ends with it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you know, I think it, it makes sense. Yeah. It
0: totally makes sense.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of sweetness in this show that I like. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really
0: looking forward to seeing more of that. I'm here for the sweetness. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like saccharin or anything. It feels like genuinely yeah. like nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The characters, the relationships are, are well-written and stuff, so I, I'm here for it.
0: Couple faces of the episode. Uh, one yeah. of them. <laughs> yeah, man, weird. we got some faces. That was weird. <laughs> what, me. <laughs> um. The uh. The first one is from the flashback with Uncle Ben at the very beginning of the episode. Peter makes this really funny face upon seeing Uncle Ben's intentionally goofy formula, and it's like before he says anything, and you kind of get the vibe that he's like, "Okay, how do I respond to this?" Uh, Uncle Ben without just being like that's stupid <laughs> um, he's like looking up to the side and being like uh-huh. uh huh okay <laughs> and it's one of the like last week it's one of the few times we get sort of like an extreme reaction from somebody yeah like in their then their sort of like facial reaction
1: yeah it's very cute very very cute
0: yeah And then similarly to last week where we had one that was just sort of like an extreme facial expression and one that I just thought really like communicated well. This is from the presentation and it's when Alistair Smythe realizes that Max Modell is sitting right in front of him. And I think it's sort of like an at least from what we've seen so far an uncharacteristically like really pleasantly composed shot because Mm -hmm. it's it's looking into the audience it has many layers to it like it has a really strong foreground layer in max Model looking backwards it has like a mid-layer of you know alistair smythe looking back at him and peter glaring at alistair and then it has a whole background of characters, some of which all have their own expressions too and it's done from what i think is a really cool angle that they didn't need to use they could have very easily gone for like an easy angle that would be more in line with what you expect based on just the style of things. It also yeah. communicates like the characters relationships in the moment really, really well. And I just think it's like a really nice, well done shot.
1: My favorite part
0: is the guy sleeping right behind Alistair. Yep. Here, I have a question for you. Is that the kid that Spider-Man saves? Like the, the one person left in the auditorium? Cause oh, if so, oh, that's hilarious.
1: I don't remember at all who he saved, but I would love to believe that because that would be genius if that was the case.
0: Because there was, like, one kid left when the ceiling started falling, and I want to believe it's the kid who was asleep. Yeah. There's also a kid, like, if you look at Peter and you look behind him and slightly to the right, there's also a kid who's making just, like, a, a random surprised face. I guess he's, like, in shock that there's a hologram on stage. Oh, I mean, um, that,
1: that's fair. That's a weird thing to witness. No, in an totally. Auditorium it, at your public school. No, I know, surprised. I know. It's Most... just funny
0: because like everybody else is just like staring forward, and this kid is like, oh, <laughs> he's
1: like, is no one else seeing this shit right now? What's what are you guys on?
0: Uh huh. And actually, I didn't notice this until just now. But if you look even further into the background, I think we have a Stegosaurus-haired kid right by the exit. Yeah, I think you're. I can't. It's
1: hard to tell, but it might be. I love Spot the Stegosaurus. That's the new game for this show. Yeah, it's
0: great. It's great. (laughs) Well, What do you think of this one?
1: I like this one a lot. I like this one more than the origin shorts, I think, because it's like a real episode of television. Um, And I think it establishes stuff really well. Even though we're not actually at Horizon High, which we're going to get a lot of next week, which is like the main setting of the show and stuff. Yeah. I think it establishes a lot of the relationships and sort of the vibe of the show a lot better than the origin shorts did. And I'm I'm liking the vibe of the show. I think it's really well paced. I think that like the way that they're sort of introducing characters, it's, it's very similar to how Spectacular Spider-Man did it. But I like that where it's sort of like making it clear that you're seating seeding a lot of characters in this sort of wider fleshed out world that you know that you're going to see more of um you know there's a few mysteries that are already being set up that aren't like huge but can potentially become huge there's clear like tension between certain characters like i feel like it does a nice job of establishing things that are clearly going to come into play later without feeling like it's an episode full of setup like it still feels like we got a nice little A nice little story even if you know the vulture kidnapping an employer is not exactly a revolutionary one but
0: it works no but it contributes to something they were already establishing which is that max modell who is this just delight of a giant man you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. has this enemy in this sort of like comical villainous character spencer smythe and you're like okay well that's like i mean that's a dynamic i guess but then the fact that max modell also has the vulture who wants to take out a grudge against him. Like it builds this sort of aura around Max Modell from the very beginning that like, okay, either Max Modell is very, very misunderstood or he has had to take responsibility for really difficult things that other people kind of like uncle Ben was talking about are taking out in the wrong way because they don't understand the situation that happened or they Mm -hmm. were misplaced in the first place. Like it, it starts to bring up a lot of questions about this character max who i suspect people either just straight up aren't familiar with at all or who probably weren't expecting to be a big deal to begin with because he's like a vis basically like a visiting teacher i mean like we get teachers in other circumstances because peter's a nerd but like he's not kurt connors he's not like peter's mentor he's like just a guy peter looks up to you know what i mean so yeah. They build a lot around that. And then on top of that, you add the sort of like next generation aspect of it, of Alistair, obviously like carrying on his dad's grudge while also carrying out like his dad's sort of same personality traits of being jealous of the people who are successful around him, having probably recognized that Peter could be one of those people and taking that out on Peter, Peter, not liking mm-hmm. him back. You have the new students who are like proud of their work. And that's sort of interrupted by Peter where you know he's going to end up anyway. Like, From one episode, you could create just, like, this massive sort of, like, web chart of relationships that aren't shoved down your throat, but if you really want to map it out, it's, like, really big already. Yeah. You can throw Randy and Liz in there if you want to. Like, you even get information from them because Randy, like, when Liz says Randy helped, Randy, it's it's one line and it, it it's it's largely a throwaway line that could be purely for humor, but it has information in it where he says, well, "I don't have much of a choice." Like, you could do all yeah. sorts of things with that.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited to see that because that's something that I really enjoyed that Spectacular Spider-Man did really well. But they were also Spectacular Spider-Man. The difference, I think, between that and this show. With that kind of stuff, is that Spectacular was a lot more interested in sort of segmenting complex teen drama alongside the interconnected like criminal world. And this show, all of that's a little bit intermixed. I think it's I, I sort of expect it to be a lot less focused on the teen drama stuff and probably mm-hmm. have a lot of the high school stuff mixed in with supervillain stuff, just by nature of being at a science genius like super school, right? Which I think yeah. is a, it's a it's a smart avenue to take because that makes the writing of that a lot easier to sort of connect all those dots. But I'm really excited to see where that goes because they've set stuff up really well. I like that they're pulling from more recent comics that, we collectively as like a culture are just less familiar with like i mm-hmm. clearly knew nothing i knew max modell was a character name and i knew that he was like a, like a, a, a bearish man but i had no idea
0: <laughs> anything a literal I'm, bear
1: <laughs> yeah i mean yeah, the fact that i didn't know he was he was a gay should tell you how little i knew about him because that's the first thing i know about any character that ever exists in comics so like I, so the fact that i didn't i really truly have no idea what his backstory is and what these like secrets are hinting to are if they're even related to what actually happens in the comics I don't know but I'm excited to, I'm excited to hear it because I think all of that stuff is nicely elegantly set up in this episode I really that's why I said I feel like this is a really proper pilot whereas like the origin shorts were very much like YouTube prologues rather like because this feels like a really good pilot um, especially when you when you combine the second part with it because it is just really good at just setting up the setting and the vibe and lots of character dynamics that you know are going to come up later. And I'm just so intrigued by all of it. Like I'm, I'm genuinely like enchanted by this show uh, right off the bat for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm into it. Well, if you're into this and you're into the stuff that we are doing, there's actually a lot more of it than just on our main feed. And you can find all that stuff over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash walloping web snappers. We talked a little bit about it at the top of the show and in the middle of the show, but if you're still here, if you made it all the way into this hour and 45 minutes or so, um allow me to uh to talk about it just once more there's all sorts of tiers they start at one dollar and for one dollar you actually have access to most of the stuff on there so it's worth checking out just to see if there's some content on there that you would like a lot of it is stuff that is a bit more mixed and miscellaneous and sometimes we even talk about stuff that isn't spider-man so if you just like our vibe um, there's more of it over there and it's a little bit more loosey-goosey which is fun if you would like more of us just individually in the stuff we're doing, Derek, where can people find you and your stuff?
1: Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on YouTube under my video essay series, Second Chance, which looks a bad or divisive media, but from a positive lens. What about you, Doug?
0: Find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also find me on another podcast here on the 4Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon just as we feel like it. If you like books, video games, and other forms of media as we all do you can check out a podcast called Novel Gaming where my friends Katie and Vicky and I catch up on all of the media we have been consuming. If you want more from me and Derek, you can check out our monthly podcast called Falling With Style, an ongoing Pixar movie marathon where we watch every Pixar movie film chronologically just to track the story of Pixar, the company, and storytelling entity. Our episode on Finding Nemo is out tomorrow, available wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to see everything Derek and I are Doing all together in one place Archived and organized in a beautiful way You can visit us on our website At wallopingwebsnappers.com Follow Walloping Web Snappers on Social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook At wallopingwebpod And please email us all sorts Of things at podcast At gmail.com If you have Max and Spencer fan art Mark that Derek If it's just Max, mark it both of us If it's theories yeah. about their history I want to know them Email us all the things. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what we are doing, someone else will too, and your ratings and reviews help other people find us. Next week, Peter's first day at his new school is full of robots and mayhem in Horizon High Part 2.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. See you then. Bye. So as he intervenes, uh, you know, the dulcher, the dulcher. Good lord. Wow.